Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Hello everyone, this is David Sampson and you have found nothing personal with David Sampson. Today is Friday, October 18th, 2019, and you have happened upon episode five. We've got a lot going on today. You're going to hear about Pat Mahomes. You may hear about Zion Williamson. What do they have in common? Giancarlo Stanton. Add him to the list. We're also going to talk about some Hall of Fame players who moved to the front office and we'll see how that's going. So there's a lot to cover. It's an exciting show today. The most biggest story for me today, we're going to start with the American League Championship Series. If you're up in New York listening to this, you may be DBR, despondent beyond repair, and you should be. The reason you should be is you put your faith in a management that was trying to get you more rings. Listen, you have more rings than you've got fingers and toes. No one feels sorry for you. If you're a Yankee fan, you love the Yankees. If you're not a Yankee fan, you hate the Yankees. It's very binary. Nobody's neutral about them. They have continuity in the front office for the first time. Brian Cashman's been there my whole career. I, 18 years I was in baseball. Uh, Brian Cashman's been there for longer. He has been a terrific addition to that front office. He worked under George Steinbrenner. Now he works under George Steinbrenner's son. And he completely has changed the way he built his team because now he's in charge. What, is, what do I mean by that is sort of simple. George Steinbrenner, he would fix things, you remember, with free agent signings, with meddling, with firing managers, no continuity, complete insanity. And he topped that off by getting thrown out of baseball for, remember the whole Dave Winfield story, trying to dig up dirt. Can you imagine an owner purposefully trying to dig up dirt on one of his players? I love George Steinbrenner. He was the owner of the Yankees when we won the World Series in 2003 when I was president of the Florida Marlins at that time. And I went to visit George to make sure he was doing okay during a game at uh, Pro Player Stadium. And I was smart enough back then to only go visit George when the Yankees were winning the game because he's just a grumpy, inconsistent man. And I was concerned that he would hurt me because I'm not a big guy. So I went up to the suite and I went up to George and he was sitting in a, in really like a stool, like a, like a director's chair. And I felt like I was in a Seinfeld episode and I'd known him. I'd seen him at, at owner's meetings and, and he knew who I was, of course, and I knew he was, of course, but this was different. He was not into being friendly. This was competition. He wanted to win the World Series and he thought that somehow he and I had a role in who would win the World Series as though we were hitting leadoff or batting ninth. And I just remember him looking at me and, and nodding. He nodded when I said, is everything okay? Nod. Is there anything I can do for you? Nod. And I remember thinking, I don't know how to react to that. A nod would mean that, yes, I'm supposed to do something for him. So I figured I'd follow up with a question. What do you need, George? And there was nothing. Nothing at all. So George went on to watch the game, and we went on to win the World Series. And uh, George, just a great man. And, and he a philanthropist, of course, which I love in a person. 
Uh, he did, he was not happy that we celebrated a World Series in his Yankee Stadium. Uh, last team to celebrate in the old Yankee Stadium, and he made it clear. So anyway, George runs his team the way you know he did if you're a Yankee fan. Not a lot of success. And then he's sort of hires Joe Torre. And then everything changed. He let Joe Torre do his job. After Joe Torre, Joe Girardi did his job, won a World Series in 2009. But do you know that this will be the first decade since the 1910s that the Yankees will not have made an appearance in the World Series? And here's why it's happening. They have gone the opposite direction to the extreme. They used to overpay free agents. They used to have impatience when it came to managers. And now they have gone the complete other way in that they're not willing to even bring on starting pitching when they need it. And they recognize they need it, but they're not willing to overpay. They hold on to their young prospects. Just, you know, you could say that they hold on to them to their detriment, but they also trade for them. Glaber Torres, they got in the Aroldis Chapman trade, and then they sign Aroldis Chapman. Shorter term deal, but an overpay. They bring in Zach Britton, overpay. They keep their young core. They have some pitching in the bullpen, pretty deep bullpen. Everyone's excited. And you figure, let's bolster the lineup. So they trade for Giancarlo Stanton. That's a contract that uh, I was a part of. The Yankees took it on, and people said, that's like the old Yankees taking on these contracts. However, actually, the Yankees are not paying all of that contract at all. The Marlins have to kick in $30 million of that. You're going to say that's not a lot, but that's over 10%. That's not nothing. So that's if Giancarlo Stanton does not opt out of his contract after 2020, which he will not be opting out of because he'll have $210 million left over seven years. So the Yankees were built on offense. And what a brilliant plan by Brian Cashman, because this was the year of the juiced ball offense. Home runs galore. The Yankees win over 100 games. They cruised to the division title. But every day we cautioned on CBS Sports HQ that you are building a team that will get you to October and not get you through October. And that is what Brian Cashman has learned. And he has to watch it firsthand when the Astros are aggressive and they got Garrett Cole at the deadline. And then they got Zach two years ago. Then they got Zach Greinke at the deadline this year. And he is pitching James Paxton. That was his big offseason acquisition, acquiring the Big Maple. That's his nickname. I have no idea why. Maybe his legs are like a big maple tree or maybe he likes pancakes. So that's the big off-season acquisition, and now you've got a critical game five, and you've got Justin Verlander against James Paxton. Paxton, for me, it is a mismatch. This series will end today, and Yankee fans will be left to wonder, what is it that we can do differently? Well, you could go after Garrett Cole as a free agent. I'm not sure they're gonna do that because they need to stand with the luxury tax, but having Tanaka as your number one starter was never going to get you another ring. It never had a chance. So this team was doomed from the start, and it's manifesting itself exactly as we thought it would as the playoffs have continued. Don't count the sweep of the Minnesota Twins and say, look, we did everything right. They're like, I saw them referred to, uh, someone, someone said they're like the pinata for the Yankees. That's what the Twins unfortunately have become and were but that's not how we're judging this Yankee team. I'm judging them on this series, and they're down 3-1 going into a very, very critical, obviously for them, game number five. Just had breaking news. It's a few hours old, but by the time you'll hear this, uh, Pat Mahomes had his uh, MRI. So I'm watching the game last night, and I'm watching the Broncos. We're gonna talk about the Broncos later and John Elway. 
how much fun will it be to talk about if I can mention John Elway and Michael Jordan and Derek Jeter in the same sentence. Do you think we'll have a fun segment? I do too. So I'm watching the, the game with the Chiefs and the Broncos and a quarterback sneak is called, which is a perfectly reasonable play call. Everything's fine. And all of a sudden, he's hurt. And all I kept thinking was that I'm glad I don't work for a team anymore. And the reason is that you watch every game and every play thinking about what you do when your star gets hurt. I will never forget the feeling when Giancarlo Stanton got hit by a, a pitch uh, by Mike Fires several years ago in Milwaukee and thinking about his health, thinking about his survival, and then thinking about our team. In that order, by the way. When Pat Mahomes goes down, the front office is thinking about him, his, his injury, hoping he's okay, but then they're thinking about their team. And then you have to wait for an MRI. I wanna take one minute to tell you about MRI. What you hear from the media all the time and from teams like Andy Reid said, I know he had an MRI and that's all I know. That's not exactly how it happens, actually. We get we don't have to go to a doctor's office with our players and sit in the waiting room and wait for our name to be called, right, the way normal people do. We set up an MRI, and it happens the second the player gets there. And if a player's hurt, we'll send him to get an MRI, and it will happen right after the game, right during the game. It actually doesn't matter. No matter what, we have priority. So it's almost like there's a tube waiting, MRIs or tubes. The first thing that happens is not what happens when a normal person gets an MRI and the person doing it, you say, am I okay? Did something, is something hurt or torn or separated? And they say, I can't read this. You'll have to get back to your doctor or your radiologist or your other ologist or your proctologist. Well, guess what? That's not what happens in the big leagues or in the NFL. We get the results that second. Immediately, our team doctor reads the MRI, immediately calls the GM, who immediately calls the coach and the owner. And it, this happens within seconds of the tube being finished. So we then have the PR people talk to the coach, the PR people talk to the GM, and we talk about how we will disseminate the findings of the MRI. And we will generally say to the coach, hey, you can wait and not talk about it for competitive reasons or because you're not in the mood to talk about it, just say so you don't know what the results are. So that's the go-to statement we would give our employees. Hey, we just don't know. But now that I'm not an employee, I can tell you, we knew every time. We know exactly what's wrong with the player. And what's happening with Mahomes is he's hurt. It's bad for the Chiefs. The good news is hopefully only three weeks. There's a bye week after that. The odds are they'll hold him out through the bye week to make sure because this is not something you want to play on when you are looking at his sort of career. When you have an asset like this, when you have a free agent to be, You'll play him until their arm falls off. But when you've got a franchise quarterback, you want to make sure that you don't bring him back too soon. Now, if the Raiders go undefeated and pass the Chiefs, it will be interesting if they do bring him back before the bye, but I would suspect they won't. Another player who is not going to uh, see time at the regular season, this came out today as well. This was not a good day if you are a young superstar. Zion Williamson. But his injury, I, I saw this injury and I sort of rolled my eyes. Uh, what do we always talk about when, when we examine players and when we scout players? We talk about their bodies. Um, we don't fat shame. We make evaluations based on projection. So we're projecting talent. We're projecting body type. We're projecting body size. With high school baseball players, we're actually projecting growth to see how much taller they're going to get, 
how much wider. When we drafted, uh, let's say, Christian Yelich, we thought his power would come, but it was not in existence when he was a young player. But he grew into his power, is what we call it. So with Zion, when we looked at him, and when I looked at him, he was the consensus number one overall, a can't miss, right? We watched the NBA draft lottery, we were all excited, and uh, Zion goes to the Pelicans, and wouldn't you know it, um, he's having some knee issues. So what we tell our players when you're having knee issues, assuming they don't come from like getting your foot stuck in the turf or something, some sort of twist, but when there's wear and tear on your knees, it can be a weight issue. So the knees, if you think about it, they're taking all the weight, and basketball especially, knees are an issue. You are using them as a springboard, and Zion has got some serious hops. So he is using his knees tremendously. He's a kid who's now had knee injuries that to me are a red, red flag in terms of his viability to be a long-term superstar in the NBA. It's a wait to see, not for next year. This is a wait to see for eight, 10 years from now, what could happen to his knees? Will they become arthritic? Will it hurt him from having a full, complete career? But New Orleans and the NBA really don't care about that. They're solely focused on the reality that the opening night game was the New Orleans Pelicans against the championship Toronto Raptors. And it worked out great, except there's no Leonard on the Raptors, and now there's no Williamson on the Pelicans. But as my friend and coworker Ruben said to me today, don't worry, Samson, we've got Lonzo Ball. And I looked at him and I said, thank God, because what would we ever do if we couldn't watch the Ball family on opening night? So TNT is fine, the NBA is fine, the Pelicans team is fine, because we've got Lonzo. Thank heavens for that. Thank you, Ruben. Can't wait to watch Lonzo and his merry band of pelicans. Another funny thing happened today. Uh, we got word that Joe Girardi is the favorite for two managerial jobs. Doesn't happen all the time that you've got two teams in a division trying to hire the same manager. So we've got Joe Girardi, who's rumored to be going to the Phillies, and strangely enough, rumored to be going to the New York Mets. This is awesome. How this works is, owners always say, you know, this is their secret, right? We're not competing with anyone. We don't focus on who's in our division. We don't make moves as a reaction to what other teams are doing. We're so full of it. Of course we're paying attention. We are rooting against everyone in our division because we wanna win and we wanna make the playoffs and we wanna get rings. So when you've got two teams going after the same manager, the only one who is gonna benefit from this is Joe Girardi. So what Joe is doing with his agent, and trust me, I know he has an agent because we had to negotiate with him in 2006 when we hired him to be, we, we actually gave Joe his first job. You'd think Joe would maybe say thank you. No, hold on, I'm holding my breath. If you're watching this at home, there's gonna be silence. I'm gonna hold my breath, waiting for the thank you from Joe for giving him his first opportunity in Major League Baseball. <gasps> Okay, I can't hold it anymore, and my phone didn't ring. I'm checking. No, no texts. Okay. Where's he a better fit is the question. It's not in New York. So if you're watching this, Fred Wilpon or Jeff Wilpon, the owner and president and COO of the Mets, you'd be better served to go a different direction because Joe is not really that excited when you go to the clubhouse and talk to him about anything, whether it be the weather, the color of the clubhouse chairs, 
or what players are supposed to be playing and what positions they're supposed to be playing and what the batting order is and what your thoughts are on promotions. Joe likes to be involved in those things. And if we've learned anything about the New York Mets organization, they are unapologetic for the role the owners play, which they should be unapologetic. As a matter of fact, they're the owners. But when you are a certain way, you have to focus on what kind of person to hire. Joe Girardi is not your man. You already have Brody Van Wagenen in there. You've got to let him choose his manager. This is going to be hard. Let him choose a manager and then see if it's possible you get along with that manager because we're going to be here a year from today talking about the firing of Brody and you're going to be stuck with a manager who you signed to a three-year contract. On the Philly standpoint, I'm pretty confident that that would be a better fit. My question is to John Middleton, the owner of the Phillies, did you poll your players? Because he definitely spoke to his players about firing Gabe Kapler. He admitted it. I've never heard of such a thing. Who cares what the players think? Bring in a manager, and the manager does his job. The players do their job. But the owner of the Phillies decided that he was going to pull his players about firing Kapler. So by definition, he's pulling his players about who they want as a manager. I can't even understand. Is he speaking to a special council of players? Is he speaking to only his favorite players or the best players? Is he going to visit players who live overseas in the Dominican over the winter? I'm just not exactly sure what John Middleton's plan is as owner of the Phillies, but I can tell you that if he does plan on hiring Joe Girardi and taking a poll of the players, they're going to say hire him because they love Joe Girardi. The players loved him. That doesn't mean they'll play well for him, and it doesn't mean he's the right hire, but if your sole criteria is polling players, you got yourself a new manager, Philadelphia. Joe Girardi's going to be the manager. He quit the Olympics, by the way. He he was going to be the Olympic manager, and he quit because he said, oh, I'm going to be a major league manager, and I really want to go after that. Joe, when you took the job, you knew you wanted to be a major league manager. The Olympics are critical for the future and the health of baseball. We have missed the Olympics for two straight Olympics. They pulled baseball. You were going to be there to represent Major League Baseball to get a medal, a gold medal for USA. Scott Brocious will do a great job replacing you. But you knew. That wasn't very nice. International. It's a big thing. We there's a, Each league has an international committee. NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB. Uh I sat in on every international committee meeting while I was a with the Marlins. Uh, they happen about four times a year when owners' meetings happen. And what it is, it's a group of 10 or 15 owners and presidents, and they're trying to figure out what is the best way to make more money. And that's not a cynical thing I'm telling you. That is the purpose of the meeting, and that's a great purpose. How do we make more money from making our game more international? Because we're focusing on growth in the U.S., but there's a lot of money out there. We're going to talk about NBA in China. That's money in the B for billions. MLB wants a piece of something. The NFL wants a big piece of something. The NFL got itself into London. They tiptoed around in nineteen in 2009 when they had the Dolphins and Giants play a game. I actually went to that game. They hadn't figured out how to market it yet. They didn't really know what their plan was, but they started in London. And they've built it and built it and built it. And now you're hearing the culmination of the NFL plan. Great job, NFL. You're talking about a 17-game season? Well, my view is that this is straight business. You're not going to have one team move there, 
but you're going to play a 17-game season in London. You're going to have different teams there every single Sunday. You're going to get season ticket holders. You're going to get corporate sponsors. You're going to get naming rights. You're going to get a TV deal. It'll be just like a team because in London, they're happy to cheer for any team, all the teams. And this way, you spread it around. You sell extra jerseys. You sell extra swag because every team makes an appearance so every European is happy. They'll come to London to watch their team by appointment viewing. I think you're going to see more games in London as a trade-off. If the NFL union agrees to a 17th game, that's extra money, extra TV money. It's going to be its own network, its own package. Let's say a network says, I will show every single London game at 9.30 a.m. every Sunday for 17 weeks. It'll be like the Thursday night package or the Monday night, Sunday night package. It's yet another way to make money for the NFL. And do you know what MLB is doing right now? Drooling with jealousy because they went to London for the first time with the Red Sox Yankees this summer and it was a success. But then what? Now what? The NFL has been thinking about now what for so long and they may have just come upon the what. And if they're not thinking about it, they're listening to this show and they'll realize that it is just business and they're going to run with this. But believe me, this is not new to them. This has been their plan. Roger Goodell does not suffer a fool. He has a plan and he goes after it. And he will get the union on board and he will make sure that they are in Europe faster, just like they were in Vegas before MLB. They were in Europe before MLB. That's the key. It's like, it's like, uh, who can be the first? The first gets the biggest piece of the pie. Watch for NFL in London. I wonder if the Broncos, when they go to London next year, if they go, will John Elway be their president and GM? I was watching the game and I told you we'd talk about it and it made me think of something funny. Don't you think it's weird that players who are in the Hall of Fame because they're so good at what they do on the field think that they can do the job of an executive off the field? What exactly about throwing a football or a baseball or a basketball makes you think that you can run a huge business that's complicated, that requires nuance? And I'm not saying I had all these things, because if I did, I wouldn't have the show with you. So I clearly didn't have them all. But I'll tell you one thing I did know. I knew that I couldn't pencil my name in at shortstop for the Marlins every day. I knew that I couldn't, you know what this is like? Michael Jordan running a basketball team and the business of basketball is like me going to a doctor's appointment and telling the doctor, you know what, let's switch. I'm gonna perform surgery on you. Why would the doctor allow that? What have I done that qualifies me to do that? I didn't go to school to learn it. No, I did not. So why is it that these Hall of Famers are willing to risk their reputation? Let's name them off. Three different sports. John Elway, check. Derek Jeter in baseball, check, check. Michael Jordan in basketball, check, check, check. You're talking about three of the all-time greats in their sports. Now, you're gonna tell me, before you tweet at me at David P. Sampson with your anger that John Elway won a Super Bowl, uh, I believe it was the defense that won that Super Bowl more than it was Peyton Manning but we can debate it. I think Jeter, it's too early to tell whether he can do it on the baseball GM side, not too early on the business side. We know that he has failed so far on the business side. 
and Michael Jordan has a much longer history. He's also a co-owner of the Marlins, might I add. So does that make Jordan a double loser? No, because Jordan doesn't involve himself in the business of the Marlins. It's just Jeter. So Jordan has run the Charlotte franchise. I'm not sure they've done anything properly. I'm not sure they've had any success in the playoffs. Coca, have the Hornets even won a series in Jordan's tenure? Coca's my producer, our producer for Nothing Personal, and he's checking right now feverishly in the booth to see whether the, whether the Charlotte team has ever won anything since Jordan took over as managing general partner. He's supposed to be ready with this stuff. When I go on a rant like this, he's gotta be ready. It's not really a rant, it's more of an observation. So why is it that they have the ego? This is what I asked myself last night. Coca just told me in my secret earpiece, it's not so secret, why do we hide it? We try to keep it secret. Folks, this is an earpiece. This is what they talked to me in. Charlotte's never won a playoff series, yet Jordan continues. Now, the value of his team has gone up. I give him credit for that, but never won a playoff series. Why is it that players believe that they have got the knowledge to either run a business or even coach a team? Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Isaiah Thomas, Barry Bonds is a hitting coach. The list goes on and on and on. It's very bizarre to me. And the only thing I can think of is absolute delusion with a side dose of overinflated ego. I think that's what it takes to be successful on the field or in your craft, whatever that may be, but it's a very fine line because it gives you the impression that you can be successful in other fields. Who's gonna drop the hammer on John Elway? How's it gonna work when his reputation's hurt enough, when the owner says, that's it, I'm done? Is Michael Jordan gonna be forced to sell? Derek Jeter has a five-year contract, he could be fired. Will that happen? Do owners get so excited that they want these athletes to work with because they get to talk to them and relive their glory days? There's a lot of that, right? It happens all the time. The Bolin family, John Elway made that franchise. They get to spend time now with John Elway every day. Owners get starstruck too, I promise you that. Working with Michael Jordan, working with Derek Jeter, Bruce Sherman, the owner of the Marlins, was honest. He wanted to be a part of Derek Jeter's bid to buy the Marlins because he loved baseball and loved Derek Jeter. But there is a grand canyon of difference between loving a player for what he does on the field and allowing him to run your billion dollar business and thinking that they will do a good job. So what do you do? You take a time when you hire a Hall of Famer to acknowledge to your fan base, to acknowledge to the Hall of Famer that you are doing this out of love for the player, not for the executive. And that when it comes time to make a change, you will do it with reckless disregard toward your love of him as a player because your commitment is to your community and your commitment is to your fan base. And watching the Broncos last night, John Elway is at 14 minutes and counting in his 15 minutes of executive fame. Michael Jordan, same. Derek Jeter, same. I read today something that uh, the NBA China won't go away. I'm segueing to NBA China because it's a story that I've talked about all week and I think we've undersold it quite a bit. And the reason we've undersold it is that we, we now forgot about it. The preseason games are over. NBA season about to start. There's one person in this country who's excited, the most excited for October 22nd, and that is Adam Silver, because finally there will be games, regular season games to talk about. Even the injury to Zion 
was appreciated by Adam Silver. He'll deny it, but it was because it took over breaking news. It took over the headline from NBA in China because Adam Silver may have stepped in it again. He gave a speech and he said yesterday that Chinese officials, he didn't specify government or, or political or economic or sports sanctioned, somebody in China, and it wasn't a fan, said, we'd like you to fi fire Daryl Morey. And Adam Silver purportedly said, no, we're not gonna do it, and we're not even gonna discipline him because we are in complete favor of Daryl Morey's right to freedom of expression and freedom of speech. If you don't know about the China Adam Silver MBA story with the tweet, I encourage you to listen to the first four podcasts because I'm not gonna redo the story for the loyal listeners who are on podcast number five. If you're new to the show, go back and listen, but I'm telling you what happened today because this is new information. Adam Silver says something, and you know how fast China was able to figure out what Adam Silver said? It makes you feel like they were at the speech, but they weren't, yet they knew about it super quickly, and they were able to then say, I don't know what he's talking about. We never actually asked Adam Silver to fire Daryl Morey. So wouldn't you know it, the commissioner of the NBA says one thing, the Chinese government says another. Shocking but true. What does it all mean? That there is no detente that is anywhere in the horizon. And the problem with that and how this affects you as a fan is that this means less money to teams, which means less money to players, which means a problem between players and owners, and that hurts us as fans because I don't want the players complaining about the money. As it is, they make a ton. I don't want owners complaining about the money because as it is, they have a ton and their teams are worth a ton, but this China story is a major one. What concerns me as an American, as a sports executive, as a fan, A, I didn't like how quickly China responded, but B, I don't like the fact that Adam Silver said something. You think that he's not telling the truth? I would say he's definitely telling the truth. He knows that he's responsible for billions of dollars of business with China. And he needed to clear that with the Chinese government or the Chinese sports Yao Ming, who's the head of the Chinese Basketball Association. If I'm Adam Silver, that's what I'm doing. I am not talking about China ever again until I consult with China about what we're doing moving forward. But Adam is too worried about his U.S fans and making sure that everyone's clear about freedom of expression and freedom of speech, but business is about to become center stage because once this wears off and the season starts, the talk won't be about the tweet. The talk won't be about freedom of speech. The talk is gonna be about the revenue that's lost and that's a distraction that Adam Silver wants absolutely no part of. How this ends, this ends with secret meetings between Chinese officials and NBA officials. This ends with a new deal which will allow the revenue from China to continue to pour in to the NBA teams. And this ends with Daryl Morey suffering some sort of consequence which will not be tied in any way to the tweets, but appeasing the Chinese government will happen, but they have to wait, and it's possible they've been told this, they have to wait for the Rockets to underperform, and that will provide the cover that the NBA and the owner of the Rockets need to get rid of Daryl Morey because the Chinese officials will need their pound of flesh and the NBA will need their stack of Franklins.
I could have said, I actually could have used Mitt Romney's quote to talk about the NBA China deal, but I didn't. Mitt Romney, you know him, uh, senator, ran for president. Uh, his son, Tag Romney, tried to buy the Marlins, wanted to be a uh, owner. His name is Tag with two Gs. And good guy, spent a lot of time with him. And uh, Mitt Romney got himself involved in the college athlete, should they get paid or not debate, with a quote that I want to read to you because it made me smile. And we're going to talk about why he said it and what it actually means. Mitt Romney, quote, we're coming for you. We're coming to help these athletes. We means Congress. You means just the athletes. So it's not that we're coming for you or we're coming at you. It's not that he's even concerned with any other position. He is simply out there saying Congress is going to do something that the federal government likes to do, but not really those in his party all the time. He's trying to take the power away from the states. Right now, California has passed a law that says that there can be, starting in the early 2020s, maybe 2023, Coca checked that for error, I think it's 2023, that in California, players can be paid, college athletes, for their likeness, for their image. What that really means, so I'll explain how that works. When you're being recruited, let's say that you've got John Calipari at your front door and you're a high school athlete and he represents the state of Kentucky. Then you've got three coaches from California who represent, let's say, USC, Stanford, and UCLA. I'm not hiding from the fact that I'm not naming the coaches of those schools because I don't know the names of the coaches of those schools. And as soon as Coca becomes a better producer, he would have said the words to me so it would have sounded like I did, but I'm never gonna lie to you as my listeners and as fans of this show, I don't know who coaches those teams, but they're recruiting, and here's how it works. You say to a high school player, come to a California school, and we promise you that you will get a clothing deal, a shoe deal, and a car for you, your family, your relatives, your posse, your cousin, your friend, your teacher, anyone you want. We're gonna have everything, and it's all coming to you. It's not coming from our school, it's coming from great companies that work in the city where our school is. John Calipari has no choice in Kentucky to say, hey, we can't do anything for you. I think he may have a twitch in his left eye when he does that. Can I say that on the air? That it's possible that there are payments that happen to players? Maybe, maybe, Bueller. In any case, this is an issue when one state has a rule that another state doesn't have. So the federal government can step in and decide to make a uniform rule. With legalized gambling, you've noticed it's happened state by state. What Mitt Romney has said is, I don't want this to be state by state, I want every student, every college athlete to get paid. I think it's an absolutely great idea for Mitt Romney to do this. I don't think he has the votes for it, and the reason I don't is this is a very slippery slope. If you allow college athletes to get paid in this manner, and not directly by the schools, you are asking for schools to have inappropriate relationships with sponsors. All the things that we suspect go on now, you're legalizing. It's like you're making boosters completely legal because that's what the law would do. So I don't know that, that I'm in favor of that because the problem with boosters is they have complete disregard for the player, and that's the whole point of this, is you're trying to actually help the player out 
You're trying to make the player incentivized to stay in school longer, but the NBA is going the other way. They want players, they're going to let more and more players out of high school. So the NBA is clearly not aligned with college basketball. But the colleges pretend they want them there longer for an education. They don't. They want them there longer so they can bring more money into the program. All of this is okay because it's just business. But the way to go about this is slightly different. Don't do a state-by-state law. Let's allow college players to actually be compensated in a slotted scale. And not by talent. Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Forget the red shirts for now. You have four levels. That's, that's their job. Their job is to play basketball, play football, play water polo, whatever the sport is, let's pay college athletes. Now, the pay scale is going to be different. If you play a big sport that brings in more money, you get paid more. If you're the top lacrosse player at Duke, you're going to, although Duke has a great lacrosse program, might I add, you're still going to get paid less than if you are Zion as a freshman at Duke. No athletes will complain about that. So my proposal, and this makes better business sense than trying to actually put a law in place that will produce people sort of skirting the law, interpreting the law the way they want, interpreting it totally differently. It's going to be mayhem out there, and we've got mayhem. So Mitt Romney, I'm coming for you. I'm asking you to actually interject yourself and make a law and proffer a deal that will make it better for the college student-athletes for the schools themselves, the players, the families, the coaches, and of course, the fans. You can do it, Mitt. Okay, guess what today is? It's October 18th, you heard that. My favorite book, Where the Wild Things Are. Mad Max, it's the night he made mischief of one kind or another. Why am I reviewing a movie called Where the Wild Things Are on a show called Nothing Personal? Here's why. This is just business for the New York Yankees Do you want to know what the number one movie was, Yankee fans? October 18th, this day, 10 years ago, where the wild things are. What was happening 10 years ago? You know very well, we talked about it. That's the last time the Yankees were in the World Series. They won the World Series. Joe Girardi was their manager. CeCe Sabathia was their pitcher, and he was good back then. A shout out to CeCe, tough way to end a career. Great career, Hall of Fame career for you, CeCe. So that's how long ago it was. It took a children's book into a movie. Phenomenal movie. You have to sort of suspend belief when you watch this movie because if you've read the book, it takes place in a fantasy jungle and there's all sorts of mischief with wild animals and creatures and it's sort of like a live action movie. And I absolutely love the movie because I love the book. And in this case, the movie was just as good as the book because Maurice Sendak, the author of the book, does a lot of illustrations and pictures. And what the movie did is sort of brought it to life. So it's what I always dreamt of as a kid, is having the wild things living. And in this movie and book, they're alive. So go back and think to the time when the Yankees were in the World Series. And you can do it by watching where the wild things are. And remember, that was a number one movie the last time your Yankees were in the World Series. Thank you, Maurice Sendak, for writing that. MLB. MLB, playoffs, frustration, me last night, very frustrated. Two things bothered me. Number one, game four of the American League Championship Series took forever. For those of you who follow on Twitter at David P. Sampson, you saw, I think I, I used a, a GIF gif for one of the, one of my rare times. It was a child sort of exploding 
trying to break out of a playpen or a glass wall because the game was taking forever. And I want to watch the game. I have to watch the game. I love to watch the game. I can't figure out why it makes sense to have four-hour games. I just can't figure it out. So I was beyond frustrated. And then I was going back and forth between the Chargers Broncos, uh, the Chiefs Broncos, and the Yankees Astros. And I'm thinking to myself, why is the American League Championship Series on FS1 where the NFL game is on Fox? Because if you're in a hotel, you're probably not able to watch your Yankee game if you're a Yankee fan or if you're a baseball fan. So why does this happen? Well, this is a complicated business story that I wanna teach you today because I was there when it was decided. When you're negotiating a TV deal for playoffs, every league does this, it is a complete deal. It is not a local deal, it's a national deal. What that means is you're dealing with networks who will have the right to send that playoff game to the entire country. I'm not talking about international, I'm talking just the United States. And so MLB is negotiating with its TV partners to get paid a ton of money in order to have baseball on networks and to distribute that money to owners who then keep 53 cents on the dollar and give 47 cents on the dollar to players in the form of payroll. It's about 53, 47, sometimes it's 52, 48. Uh, it's, some people say it should be 50, 50, but none of that matters. For the, for the moment, it will matter when the collective bargaining agreement is up. But what matters is that we as an industry are subject to what the networks want. And when a network has a choice between the NFL and MLB, they have chosen the NFL. And the reason why they've done that is money. Not that they paid more the NFL, which they did. It's because they actually recoup their investment by investing in the NFL for a regular season game faster than they do than recouping their investment when they pay MLB for their postseason package. So MLB knew this going in that their agreement was the LCS would be on all TBS, the NLCS, and all FS1, the ALCS. That was predetermined. This was not a conflict issue. This is not someone deciding last night that we're gonna put the Thursday night game on Fox NFL and the Thursday night game, baseball and FS1. It wasn't about that. This was predetermined in every single contract. It's very frustrating for baseball to feel like you're the ugly stepchild to the NFL. And we would talk about that to our partners and say, why wouldn't you show the playoffs on the big, big Fox is what it's called, or on the major network? Why don't you do that? And it's just money. And what I never was able to make people understand is that they would react negatively to it because of ego and because their feelings would be hurt. They would feel like they were second-class citizens to the NFL. MLB is not second-class to anyone. It is the number one baseball league. People love it. They want to find the playoff games when they can, but that's not why MLB shouldn't be unhappy. The reason they shouldn't be unhappy is the amount of money that they get paid, whether the games are on channel 522 or channel five, the money goes. So what'll be funny to watch is the next TV deals. Will that switch? It will not. NFL will always be on the big network. Every day I do a wait to see. My wait to see is a simple one, John Elway. I don't love that we chose this picture because my memory of John Elway is winning Super Bowls and my memory of him has an orange number seven on him. This is the new John Elway where he's replaced number seven with a tie. Wait to see, John Elway will not be the president 
and GM of the Denver Broncos next season. They're going to have to move on from him. The Broncos, the last two seasons, well under 500, maybe 10 games under 500. They are in no position to have a better season this year. They're going to miss the playoffs. And I believe the Bolin family, following the death of the patriarch Pat, is going to move along, but they will give John Elway a soft landing. John Elway gets fired. Wait to see. The other thing we try to do is we give you picks every day because who doesn't like to win money? And I like to win money. So what are my picks? I've given you this week, I think we've had a great start to the show. I've enjoyed every minute of it, but we haven't been able to win any of the picks. We had the Cardinals twice. We took one off. Last night, we thought the Yankees would win. How could they not win? How could the Yankees lay such an egg in last night's game? They played like a little league team. Incredibly disappointing. Tonight, I've got you covered. We're not taking the Yankees and we're not taking the Astros because I don't know who's going to win, except it'll be the Astros. I don't know how good Verlander's going to pitch. He's going to give up a few runs. I don't know if the big maple James Paxton will get the Yankees into the fifth inning. He doesn't have a chance. So therefore, what I do know in your pick of the day, Yankees, Astros, over seven and a half runs. Book it. This one's a winner. Thank you very much for listening to Nothing Personal. It's been the end of a great week one. We got a chance today. We talked about Mahomes. We talked about Zion, whether or not the Pelicans can exist with only Lonzo. We got to talk about China, of course. And it ended with Mad Max and where the wild things are. Always remember, folks, it's just business. It's nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.